Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC To see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Varney Mike Andeglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. We're quarantined, scared shitless, but... 21-year-old shows wait for no man. It's closing time. Quite literally. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, going week by week through David E. Kelly's award-winning series from 21 years ago. This is Keith and Mike, and we are here, uh, (laughs) I am now broadcasting remotely from an undisclosed location in Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, Between last week and this week, boy did it go down. How are you guys holding up? Well, we are also broadcasting remotely as we do every week, uh, but I am in the epicenter of it all here in New York City, right in the middle. But I'll say this. I'm of two minds currently, or I guess two situations. Situation one, I feel uh, protected and safe under the capable leadership of Governor Andrew Cuomo. Say what you will, Democrat, Republican, his past issues with de Blasio, whatever your your politics might, uh, might cause your opinion of him to be. I'll say this, his leadership has been steadfast, it has been fact-based, with ample doses of humility, accountability, and empathy, which is quite reassuring at times like this, when there's a lot of misinformation and anxiety going around. So I feel safe on that regard. On the other hand, despite the warnings and the data and the grabs and the impact of the information that we have as citizens that we can that how much we can actually do to help blunt the curve as they say no one appears to be doing here i live in astoria and we have one of the larger parks in new york city i'd say uh third only to central park and prospect park and it is hopping it has been 70 some degrees and people are going about their business sunbathing gathering, playing basketball, playing soccer, drag racing, hundreds of people as if it's the middle of summer. So I'm disappointed in my neighbors and in people's ability to heed this. And I and I just, I don't want to be hyperbolic. But I said to my wife, when you think about it in terms of, well, what happens six weeks from now? The actions people took in this park today could kill people could kill people and that is frightening yeah. and it it is sobering to me so like i said i'm i'm feeling a way that i don't know how to describe yeah no i yeah it is 
very sobering, and uh, it's certainly distressing to see the disparity in the level of uh, importance people are placing on this yet. And for those of you uh, who care, we're recording on March 21st, uh, 2020, um, in what is probably still the early days of uh, the COVID crisis. Yeah, I've been taking this seriously for about a month and a half because it really doesn't take a lot of information to take this seriously. It takes some basic arithmetic skills and some graph paper. And you can see that this is very, very serious. And I, I think we're headed for much darker places than we are yet right this minute not to be not to freak every, everybody out but uh it's going to be it's going to get worse before it gets better so everybody hang in there uh take care of your loved ones i think as uh, as cuomo said really well uh, the other day he was like look everybody is going to be stressed out everybody's freaking out in various ways uh all the time. So have a little more patience with your with your partners, with your family, with your friends. Have a little bit more empathy. Have a little more patience and empathy for yourself. Uh, it's going to suck. So let's all just uh, keep taking, you know, caring for each other and checking in with those folks that maybe you don't check in with as often as you used to. Uh, throw a text, make a phone call. Doesn't hurt to uh, reach out. And, uh, you know, wash your hands, stay safe, stay the fuck away from other people. Yeah, and lastly, I'll just say that, and Cuomo said this as well, I know, <laughs> this is not a, this is not an advertisement for him, but... I mean, to be fair, normally I fucking hate Cuomo, yeah. so... <laughs> uh, what's ooh, 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 we I have a visitor! Tea. I got tea. We have I'm, a guest! I'm getting over a cold here, and my wife isn't taking, we're actually both getting over hey, colds. Hey, Jen! <coughs> What we assume are colds. That's kind of a scary thing, too, is, yeah. you know, a lot. I don't have a lot of the symptoms, but I do have this cough, and I had a couple of really rough days. So, you know, it's it's best case, worst case. I guess best case, I got it and worked through it. Are recovering, yeah. yeah. Uh, worst case, I haven't, could get it on top of this, and that could be really bad for me, so... Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's scary. I mean, uh, you Especially know, Especially with people... so little known. Yeah, we know people... No. I have people in my family yep. who who are ill now, and that's, you know, it's a little scary, but we just take it a day at a time. And uh, another thing I should mention uh, as to- Now I have a psychosomatic cough because you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, well, if so if you guys are tracking our symptoms through the podcast as we document this crisis in, in odd real time in a back to the past podcast somehow. Uh, that's, that's true. We're going to talk about 21 years ago. With up-to-the-minute updates. Yeah. Well, like up-to-the-minute is, is stretching it. Uh, well, unless you're listening to this in 21 years. <laughs> yeah, really. So as two prolific sufferers of depression, uh, you know, it's, it's an important time for people who suffer from any kind of mental illness or are prone to anxiety or are just suffering anxiety for the first time because of this. Uh, you should... Treat yourself kindly as well. It can take up to two to three weeks to establish a new routine. And a lot of people, look, I'm isolated at my house all the time anyway. Uh, but a lot of people are new to this game. So give yourself time to adjust, be kind to yourself, and do not feel guilty for sometimes turning off Twitter, turning off the news, 
and yeah. watching a TV show, streaming some stuff on Hulu, get away from it if, if you're privileged enough to be able to do so. And if you're listening to a podcast about the practice, you probably are. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Take breaks. And that's what we're going to provide from you for provide for you from here on out. Oh, buckle up because we are coming sliding into home as season three wraps up. And what a doozy it has been. It has been a doozy. So it is time to hear about some things other than COVID, starting with... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. And boy, speaking of doozies, do we have a doozy for you this week? Oh, we have two doozies. I'd say oh, it's a Oh, it's do we? I, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to play them both because we have we have heard from uh, an old friend and uh, person we have accused of being a a brother of each of us, mm-hmm. of which you are neither. Phoenix Cage. Phoenix Cage. The mystery continues. The mystery continues, or that just might be a person, and we're just assigning a mystery to just a random person. Yes. Uh, but he sent in this legendary voicemail uh, that I believe you have uh, ready for us. Oh, am I playing the voicemail? Oh, of course you are. Are you not? Oh, I am definitely not. I definitely thought you were playing that. <laughs> well, we're I, nothing if not consistent. I can fetch it for sure. No, all right. You you talk. I'll fetch it. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll start. Let's start a different way. While Keith is doing that, so you'll you'll re- we were, I was going to put this in objections, and uh, but we'll just play it here as we're talking about feedback. As you know, my wife and I have been going back and forth in a very serious marital conflict. It's really been dicey, guys, because uh, I apparently accused her of being critical of me, uh, when in reality she was making a joke, and so was I. As all that's all we do. And so I attempted to come back and give her objection and say that she didn't, in fact, think I was bad. She was making some other point. But apparently I couldn't articulate that well either. And so on a drunken evening, oh, but a few weeks ago, before the world started to fall apart, we got my semi-intoxicated wife to try to explain her position <laughs> from her own point of view. Now there's I can't a, wait. There's oh, wait about, was I there? You were there. Oh, right. There's about three minutes of Keith and I trying to egg her on to say something. Uh, You actually recorded it. I did. I cut all that out, though, for the sake of being accused of not distilling her point down to the most uh, succinct facts. So here is from the horse's mouth. uh, Disclaimer, I don't think she looks like a horse, sounds like a horse. I just used a turn of phrase. (laughs) Here's Jen. The feeling that I get... In the opening song, when Keith is singing Fall Out and Mike comes in with his harmony, it's the feeling that I get when they're doing the podcast and... (laughs) Which is, I'm trying too hard and Mike isn't? No, that, that Keith knows the episode coming in and Mike has not seen the episode... So, so it's almost it's like I the didn't vibe. know the theme song when I walked in and heard it the first time that day and and just sang the harmony Keith gave me. Which would be the truth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it makes me laugh. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That's what we sound like drunk. 
Uh, yeah. I do. I am I is my voice that high pitched and feminine in real life? Have you heard the podcast? I have. I thought I was putting on a more broadcast quality sound in making the attempt, but I guess this I haven't the, quite followed through. This is the NPR version of the Out of Practice podcast, broadcasting here from Cape May, New Jersey. So, uh, so anyway, that's what Jen has to say for herself. I'm not sure it's added any clarity, but I'm going to say that we're going to give her the last word, and that was it. Okay, well, I look forward to the horse <laughs> objection next week. <laughs> All right, well, I have pulled up Finks Cage's uh, voicemail. Now, so it's very it's long. long. It's lengthy. but I think It's that lengthy, but it's great. As a so, Hall of Fame post, it deserves to be heard in its entirety. It is, it is. And we, we'll, we'll stop and, and argue uh, as we go. Okay. So, here we go. Hey guys, this is Phoenix Cage with some feedback about episode 320, Home Invasions. Keith, great point about the gunshot residue. If he were struggling with his son when the gun went off, as they both contest, then it definitely would have been on the son, and I'm certain the police would have checked. I thought ah. Helen made a fantastic closing, so I'm sure that that piece of evidence would have put her over the top, and perhaps that's why David E. Kelly had to leave it out. Huh. The verdict would have been too unrealistic otherwise. So he's clearly talking about part one of the uh, the Ryder Strong case, where he and his father wrestled with a gun and ended up killing the mother. Yeah, so. <laughs> and that's important because, as David Kelly knows, that plot line was going to continue and that kid was going to end up being convicted of murder uh, and going to prison. Which well, he was convicted of, of perjury. Correct. I'm sorry, and he got that's right, and he got the max sentence, twenty years. He did. Yeah. So that basically crushed Helen, uh, because that was her client, and or excuse me, Eleanor, and Gamble. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and Gamble, uh, you know, she had that nervous breakdown and put this kid away. So had she won the case initially, uh, it it would have ruined that whole continued plotline. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right, continuing on. Mike, really great catch deducing the nod between Kittleson and Jimmy. Thank you. Keith was all ready to point out how crazy she was, but you shut him down before he could even start it. <laughs> okay, to be fair, Keith, I didn't figure out the meaning of the nod either. I was actually thinking that Jimmy was avoiding telling her anything about his connection because it might have put it in questionable territory if the person who discovered the first piece of evidence was also involved with the judge presiding over it. Huh. Yes. Speaking of which, Kittleson did end up presiding over Lucy's case, an idea casually thrown out there by Mike. You get so many random predictions <laughs> right. I don't know how yeah. Keith can keep a straight face half the time. But you only get I'm those not when you're not trying. That's all the when time, When it comes buddy. to what does Mike think's going to happen, you're definitely not Nostradamus. <laughs> Maybe the lesson here is to stick to the established operating procedure of the show and don't try so hard. Okay. Yeah, don't try so hard. No, I got to say. <laughs> I've never I been accused of that before. predictions, I think. Wait, that should have been the show. Okay, Keith, as your question about who closes first, the prosecutor usually does choose to go first. But what we don't see on the practice is that they get a rebuttal to the defense's closing. They have the burden of proof, so they effectively get to go first and last. But that wouldn't be as succinct for the purpose of TV, so 
David E. Kelly will probably stick to choosing one or the other. Okay, so this makes me wonder. Phoenix Cage clearly has some legal knowledge, obviously more than us, but that's not saying very much. No. So, uh, Clue, perhaps he holds some sort of occupation in the legal system. It's potential. He seems very confident and very self-assured. It might just be his broadcast quality voice, but I tend to believe him, especially when he says I'm right about things. <laughs> I don't know for sure because I'm also watching these for the first time. Yeah. Keith, while I do appreciate the less frequent actor IDs, I have an objection to uh -oh. you not making a very necessary Star Trek reference. Hold on. We're going to put so many bumpers in this episode, you'll need to t quarantine yourself from the show. There will be an appeal. Objection! All right, let's hear the objection. The cop who was testifying at the beginning of the episode, Danny Goldring. I was listening to his voice and kept thinking, I know him from something big. But when I got to the pot... Wait. So, I know him from something big. That's a reference to Star Trek The Next Conversation, our inspiration podcast. Oh. That's Andy's thing. Okay, so, so we have a co-list, so we thankfully so maybe got a cross-listener. This is, yeah, we, <laughs> we have siphoned off a listener. Hooray for us. Well, that was the entire intent. itch in the back of my brain never got scratched. So, Keith, since you didn't tell me, I'm going to tell you. Yes. It turns out I know him from lots of things, and I'll bet you do too. You may recognize Danny Goldring as the Cardassian legate on DS9 episode Civil Defense. He also played the Alpha Herosian on Voyager's The Killing Game, parts one and two. He was the one who played a Nazi on the holodeck program and enjoyed it so much he insisted on resuscitating the crew to keep fighting them. He was great. That Even was while the episode. other erosion were like, okay, that was fun, but aren't we going to go actually hunting now? <laughs> and then Danny Goldring was on two episodes of Enterprise, one of them playing a Nausicaan captain. He was very well suited to play some formidable aliens. And his voice was so great that it landed him the first line of the movie, The Dark Knight. He played one of the bank robbers in clown masks huh. and had... As many lines as all the others combined. Rewatch the first 10 minutes. He was really great. I'll rewatch the whole thing. Yeah, but, it sounds like a great one. But perhaps the most notable Star Trek performance was in DS9 Season 5 episode, Nor the Battle to the Strong, in which there was a bloody ground war being fought by the Federation that Jake Sisko suddenly found himself in the middle of. Great episode. While helping out Bashir with Wounded, he was on a mission outside for supplies when he got spooked by artillery fire. Though uninjured himself, he ran away, leaving Bashir down. Guys, just watch Deep Space Nine. It's amazing. I have not, and I now kind of want to. You really, you really must. All right, continuing. He then stumbled into a foxhole with a lone soldier that was severely wounded. That was Danny Goldring. His character was tough as nails, in spite of knowing his injuries would soon take his life. Here. Listen to him for yourself. He's got a clip! <laughs> I love this guy. Set me up! Do it! I'm not gonna die with my face in the dirt! 
Yeah. He served as a stark contrast for young Sisko to compare himself to. And that interaction informed his character's decisions in that episode and future ones as well. Don't ruin this for me, Keith. He was just like Michael Ironside's character from Starship Troopers. He even sounded like him, don't you think? He did. I think about every, he looks every a time bit I like see the too. episode. But just now, I realized that it aired a year before Starship Troopers was even released. DS9 was ahead of its time in many ways. Many ways. So you may recognize my name. I am the same Phoenix Cage who came before that long string of reviews a few months back. And, as you can tell, I am not Mike's brother. <laughs> I think. I mean, maybe I sound exactly like Mike's brother. Wouldn't nothing, that be nothing a like coincidence? Him. Nothing like By him. the way, last episode, I'm pretty sure that was the first sneeze on the show. Man. Wow! Keith sneezes during a pandemic, and the next episode is called Infected. That's a bad omen. Anyway... I still think this is the best worst podcast out there. So, Keith, please don't die. But maybe just in case, hurry up and get another season in the can, will you? <laughs> okay, uh, so I many things. The best worst, and I screwed up the cables during this thing. Calling us the best worst, and I just coughed all the way through it. <laughs> take, take note, however, fellow podcast listeners out there, that if you're going to call in quote-unquote, to a show, that is how you do it. You come with receipts, you come with points to make, <laughs> you do the whole nine. So, Phoenix Cage, you have, uh, whilst you cannot be our number one fan, as you are not a founding sponsor, as uh, <laughs> as Leanne writes, she, will, she is the current face of the Mount Rushmore. You are caught up. So, you are right up there. You are being chiseled into the stone face, uh, whilst I wear a mask and gloves, mind you. As we speak, you are being put onto the Mount Rushmore. Thank you for that. And I have a question for you. Not you, Keith. I'm talking oh. to my buddy Phoenix. So it sounds as though you are listening to the show and catching our commentary on the episode, clearly, as you noticed my noticing of her look to Kittles, Kittleson's look to Jimmy. Right. But also, you're watching the episodes for the first time. So are you pulling a Keith and... Watching to the watching the episode and then listening to us watch the episode. Oh, or, good question. Or are you kind of doing a hybrid? I'm very curious. Are you watching a mute? Uh, I'm curious as to how you're how you're consuming the episode. Yeah, good question. Thank you. All right. Well, good question. Amazing. Uh, re, uh, what was it said? Amazing voicemail. The bar has been set. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, now, here we are, 23 minutes in, but you know what? We all have time. What else are we doing? We have the time. It is time to ask life's great question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. May 2nd, 1999, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. It was, as some would maybe call it, the precipice before the fall of life. As I've discussed before, I had been accepted into college, which at the time was really the only thing my parents wanted me to do in the, my entire life, was go to right, college. Right, Ithaca. Yep. I was going to study uh, like music and recording and all kinds of cool stuff, and I was in blissful love with a super pretty girl, and I recall... This is May, so we're going to graduate in it a month, so nothing was happening at school. It was basically done. 
I remember there was one weekend, and I can't remember. It was about this time, so I'm going to use it. Uh, me and said girlfriend went, my, my dad let us go to a bed and breakfast in the Poconos for the for oh. long weekend. Wow. It was like a Thursday, like, like a Thursday through like Sunday. That's like sanctioned uh, boot knocking. There was no, we did, there was no boot knocking. She was very, uh, I don't want to say religious, but religious. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember it being a wonderful weekend. And uh, little did I know. That uh, there weren't going to be, no, I've had a lot of great memories since, but that was, I didn't have any bills <laughs> That was to the last time you've ever been happy. <laughs> <laughs> a weekend in the Poconos. Oh, it was beautiful. But Keith, while I was in love and having a great weekend, what were you doing out there in Ra-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-chester? Well, I'll tell you what, I wasn't in love or happy. (laughs) I was, uh, yeah, so this was the end of my freshman year. And as I mentioned before, my freshman year sucked. Uh, And we had just finished the production of uh, The Elixir of Love, which I played last week. And so I was probably stressed out getting ready for the exams and the juries. And what was I doing? I was finishing off my freshman 50 (laughs) because I became completely obsessed with roast beef subs with an absurd amount of horseradish sauce to the point where I cried. Oh, horseradish on on roast beef is the best. Oh, I could go for a roast beef. Oh, I sure could too. If only we could leave our homes and get meals. Well, we did have two deliveries made and... Uh, the one time I made the, I asked the guy to leave it on the handle, which was the right call. And the next time I just, my habits took over and I opened the door and we were look staring face to face. And it was like this weird thing. It was like this weird yeah. standoff. And then he was just like, he just handed me the food. <laughs> I was like, uh, thanks. <laughs> that was it. By standoff, he handed you food. But yeah. And then of course my wife was like, we have to de-louse it. I was like, poor guy. She is a little nuts right now, but it makes sense. No, I mean, everybody is. I mean... Lord knows we are here too. It's uh yes. I mean not much going on in Cape May yet, but it's coming. Oh yeah, seriously. Plus Cape May this would be a time for a lot of spring breakers, right? So what's the what's the vibe been out there? Well, it's pretty quiet actually. I mean, it's too cold here for proper spring break cuz we're still in New Jersey. We're sort of uh that we are the at the southern southern part of New Jersey, uh, right in the little like nub there, little peninsula. Um, so there aren't many spring breakers. Also, it's sort of like an older town. So we were biking around yesterday and the day before, and you go through these neighborhoods. It looks like a scene from one of my books, mm-hmm. where there's you just don't see another human as you're biking down the middle of the street. It was a little bit more yesterday, so I'm imagining that more people will start showing up when they start fleeing wherever they're from. Well, Keith. Oh, there's Jillian back there. Hey, Jillian. Uh, Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was her first appearance on the podcast. So, Second appearance. Okay. You grilled her on my uh, my DNR if I can't wipe. Oh, that's right. I, I That's correct. Her enthusiasm <laughs> level has dropped significantly. <laughs> so, Keith, 21 years ago, Kate May, as uh, some more Spring Breakers were probably down there, what music and what movies would they have been listening to and watching? 
Well, I can tell you, we have an excellent music selection this week. We were living la vida loca. Something's never changed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Ricky Martin has taken over the charts. And we all spent about a month with this song. I can tell you what's not happening in the video for this song. Any type of social distancing. No, which is odd. He's he's not social distancing from a lot of female extras. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we were listening to that on our way to see the movie Entrapment. Great movie. The heist movie with Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones, which I haven't seen since then. I remember enjoying it. I remember the weird, like, Catherine Zeta's butt going through lasers. That's all I really remember from that movie. Yeah, she does, like, like yoga moves to get under the lasers and stuff. Through the lasers, yeah. That's about all I remember also. Yeah. We were 19, and... buddy. What do you want? <laughs> That's true. And in the Burlington Free Press, it talked about Milosevic. To release soldiers. So, taking it down from La Vida Loca, we're going to talk about the Bosnian War. All right. Well, thank you, Ricky. It is now time to talk about this important episode. And uh, we will not be doing our usual... Ah, uh, uh, fuck, I guess we are. We must do it. Oh, God. Why is it so loud? Well, because it is. We must persist, oh. Keith. You know what I mean? We can't we must have too much changes on the episode. Well, if the change you were afraid of was us not continually fucking up, then change has not come. Well, Keith, even though global warming is a lie, according to our leadership, it was much colder 21 years ago. It was uh, in the mid-40s, High of 42 degrees here in the city, oh. uh, but the low going all the way down to 26 degrees overnight. And it was really cloudy. in May. In wow, yeah. so oh, we forgot to say it that this episode aired on May 2nd, 1999. Keith, Sorry. would you believe that I simply typed in you would believe it? I just typed in the wrong date, it is definitely not March, it's <laughs> it would have been May 2nd, it and would so, have been May 2nd. So we definitely fucked up all, a lot already. <laughs> Can you tell me the correct weather? I feel like it's going very well, don't you? <laughs> All right, kill it. Was it snow? Okay, well, let's just roll it again. Tell me the weather from 21 years ago and 21 years and two months ago. Well, I can tell you, it was absolutely 63 degrees. Okay, that's, that makes more sense. And it was a beautiful day. And in fact, it was warmer than it is today, uh, where it sits at 45 degrees today. So ev literally everything I said previously was wrong. Every single word. All 60 episodes. So anyway, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I can tell you this. Chance of pandemic, extremely low. For 21 years. Yep. Then very, very then high. Very high, very quickly. Okay. 
Well, wow, let's... I fucked that up so hard. Oh, you sure did. I mean, to be fair, so did I. I have so many cables that I had to get rewired. I had to pick up my entire system, my desktop computer, all the monitors, like an inbox and speakers and another computer because I run a lot of tech while we're doing this. It doesn't sound like I run a lot no. of tech. <laughs> More than is necessary and or we would should admit to. It sounds like I'm playing on an old cassette tape player from like 1980. Like it's it's like the Walkman that had the little speaker in it. It's that's yeah. what it sounds like what we're doing. But do you know no. what a great philosopher once posted to the universe? What did a great philosopher posit to the universe? What does it say about a podcast when the highest quality part of said podcast Wait, I think you should say in your NPR voice. <clears throat> What does it say about a podcast when the best part of that podcast is a viewer's audio? I can't even. I don't know when the. <laughs> when, also, your NPR person is just a little stuffy. <laughs> He's got a cold. Anyway, He's got a cold. I was going to say the guy our our Phoenix's write-in was is the best part of the show so far. Oh, obviously, yeah. Okay. Well, it didn't actually clear a very high bar. I mean, should we watch it? Oh no, let me tell you what I think. Uh, no, I have to tell you more about the episode first. Oh yeah, it's you're... almost like we haven't done this in only six days. We literally did, we didn't take any time off. We yeah. just we we we're not on. It's not Nyquil, Mike. It's COVID, Mike. We're being hunted, Keith. We're being hunted. Sorry, we're on edge. Yes, yeah, seriously. Okay, so this episode, entitled Do Unto Others, good advice. Actually, you know what? We've had very topical titles the last two episodes. Do Unto Others is a great advice for this moment. It was written by David E. Kelly, of course, and directed by Mel Damsky, who last directed Ties That Bind. Which leaves us with the important question... supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what what does mike think's gonna happen you know what if he would have drank the curdled milk then what would have happened okay well let's stay with the title <clears throat> my friend phoenix told me to keep it simple do unto others David E. Kelly, this entire season, the whole series really, but this entire this season specifically, has been really f doing a lot of exploration of religions. We've had uh, nuns murdered. We've had priests with killing people in closets. We've had Bobby leaving churches' bodies of babies. We've had all kinds of bodies of babies. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, fair enough. So it begs to reason that. This episode will have something to do with religion. I don't know if I could say clergy because we've done it so frequently. So maybe maybe a more esoteric exploration of religion, but I'm going to say religion for sure, thematically. Okay. And then let me let me throw something a little bit more nutty out. Uh Okay, well, this isn't this isn't that, but we're winding things down, so I feel like we're going to have to progress some of our other characters. So uh, we've been getting a lot of Eleanor and Helen and Rebecca recently. So I'm going to say Bobby, Eugene, and Jimmy take the lead on this one. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, let's find out. 
after this ad for Anchor, which is a super appropriate because what do people do in the apocalypse? They start their own podcast. The Practice, Season 3, Episode 22, the penultimate episode of the season. Do. Wait, it's supposed to be unto others, but this says onto others. No previously on this week. No. Hey, Rabbi. Hello? He's in his office. He can go oh, right Rabbi. All right, let's do it. Boston. Rabbi, you just walked in. Rabbi. Uh, ribby? Ribby? Uh, my wife would know. I was trying to say Yiddish for Rabbi. She, uh, I'm s- Jen! Uh, that guy. That guy. Go ahead. This Continue. episode is a disaster already. Yeah, well. Oh, uh, uh, that rabbi is Michael Tucker, who is a two-time Golden Globe nominee, a three-time Emmy nominee for L.A. Law. He was also in the Mighty Ducks 2, Diner, and Tracy Takes On. I hope he doesn't get tuckered out in this episode. Ho! Boo! <coughs> oh, Eleanor is unhappy. Rabbi. I just got off the phone with the DA. They won't be putting the girls treating doctor up there. That's good news. It is. Probably means there's nothing conclusive he could say. It brings it down to her word against yours. I see. Eugene, would you mind meeting with my board? Your board? At the temple. They are paying the legal fees and... Why do they want to meet? They'd like an assessment of the case. They're no doubt worried about damage control. If the synagogue's rabbi... Is convicted of rape. I'm sure. Oh, to be shit. How do you feel about me meeting with them? I'm okay with it. They've stuck by me, so. Rabbi rape, Keith. We haven't had that How one How are yet. you assessing the case? Yeah. As he said, she said, Rabbi. You two were the only witnesses. You two and God. Yikes. All right, so uh, fair warning, folks. This episode is going to be about rape. So that'll be a little rough. But nonetheless, so we have a rabbi accused of rape and a the board at the temple is involved, uh, interested in the financial implications of this. Yeah, you know that boards and religious institutions do have a habit of using money and influence to hide these allegations. Name one other example. Oh, wait, I've read all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Scout's Honor. I won't bring that up again. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. The likelihood is the girl will testify and then they'll rest. I'll call you after that we close. This should be over in a couple of days. Where did they continue a scene... Since Book this thing's around getting the some publicity, yeah, it's cool. Will probably be full. Uh, you might want to convey that to your congregation, because if they really plan to turn out to support you, they better get there early. I can't testify, Mr. Young. Excuse me. And the truth here. And... Uh, for the record, I'm it two could be for very two. Damning. That's true. I thought you said you were innocent. I am. I didn't rape. Yeah, you totally are. But the sex. It may be, it was a little forcible. Oh, Jesus. Forcible. It was consensual, but. 
Force. So he's saying that this girl has a very specific kink, and that is... Why don't you tell me exactly what happened? Rape roleplay with a rabbi? We had been having a... Apparently. ...relationship. And it was ending, at her urging. It was the second time she had come to my office for the purpose of breaking it off. The first time, there were tears on both sides. You know what they and call anger. people like that, Keith, with that specific kink? What's we had that? an argument. He says nervously. Satirists? Ah, <laughs> oh, that was good. Okay. That's horrible and offensive, but pretty clever. <laughs> <laughs> when the bar of achievement is pretty clever, I feel like I've done my job. Oh, that's horrible. I even paused the episode just so that you it was... You did, to set that up. And so, you're going you're gonna to regret having made that joke. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Well... But it was, it was clever, I'll give you that. And it was a joke. Which led, ultimately, to a rather passionate session of lovemaking followed by a mutual decision to continue the relationship. What are things that have never happened to Keith in his entire existence for 200, Alex? Oh, a thousand percent. That was the first time. This time, again, she came to break it off. Again, we argued. And again. We began to kiss. Fondle. At which point... She reiterated it was wrong. But Mr. Young, she was the kind of person who liked sex more when it was, well. And it was my belief, the purpose of these breakups, it, it, it was to occasion my rage because oh. it excited her. The sex was of a slightly forcible nature, even though I remain absolutely convinced it was not only to her liking, but exactly what she wanted. Oof. The underscoring disagrees with The jury with cannot me. hear that story. It sure does. Tell me about it. So he's guilty, rabbi rapist. In his mind, he thinks she consented. You know, there are thousands and thousands of model rabbis out there. Why is it the ones that come in here are all criminals? Because we're criminal defense attorneys, Fair Eleanor. point, Look, Eleanor. You haven't lost, Eugene. Their case is only her word. You cross a good, you got reasonable doubt. You want somebody to second chair? No. Girl's 23. I don't want the jury to see an army going against her. But yeah, that's true. You know, strategies. This show really. has not been great for rabbis, because the last one we met was the guy who did the bloody gurgles monologue. Oh yeah, he was great. He shot a guy in the throat. Oh, I saw him on something recently. I forget what. But to Bobby's oh, that was some good radio. To Bob to Bobby's point, everyone who walks in there is at least accused of being pretty shitty. No, no, for sure. I could defense. use some leg work. I mean, it's far be it from them to 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 pass over a job. Oh, boo! There's been a, a matzah of stupid jokes in this show. Thank you for meeting with us. No problem. Obviously, this matter is of significant concern to the synagogue. And let me preface to the board. my remarks by representing... Enough with the preface. The man works on an hourly. We pay for your preface. Oh, now she's bringing Sam. me lunch. Never mind. We're all busy people here. Say what you have to say. Ooh. He's so damn worried all the time about being delicate. Forgive me, Rabbi. It's all right, Sam. Who wants well, to listen to me eat is, mac and cheese? Delicate. Yeah, but 
we're going to listen to is... Are those two very recognizable actors in this board? People interrupting my lunch? People interrupting your lunch because we want to listen to you eat because we only have between now and to the end of time to record this. (laughs) Uh, All right. So we have here George Weiner was the first person you heard speak. From Spaceballs, The Postman, Not Another Teen Movie, The Mentalist, Desperate Housewives, and Hill Street Blues. The second voice you heard was Ken Lerner, who you'd know from The Goldbergs, The Running Man, Robocop 2, Exorcist 3. He plays two different characters on David E. Kelly's Boston Legal World. He was also in Chicago Hope, Buffy, and Happy Days of a trial would be very unfortunate for this synagogue. We're anticipating a civil suit as well, since the event in question took place in the rabbi's office. She's already... Friendly reminder, great time to go back and re-watch Spaceballs. Hmm. Classic. They hired an attorney really like who's made overtures. The whole thing is a setup for a civil suit. The girl is a liar. She's looking That's for money. That's anti-Semitic, Keith. As much as we object on <laughs> principle, we'll give it to her so long as it buys her silence. On the criminal suit as well. You can't do that. Technically, no. Of course not. But rape victims change their minds about testifying all the time. Well, why not just approach the girl on your own? Because I would assume that the threat of cross-examination at the criminal trial would factor into any negotiation. You are the only one who can make that threat. As well as make good on it. What you're asking me to do is illegal. The legality turns on the execution. Wow. Well, that's not shitty. Let's cut to it. The man is an enormously popular rabbi, central to our fundraising. We do not want that girl telling her story in a courtroom or any other public venue. To your fundraising. We have a settlement fund. I can't bribe a witness in a criminal prosecution. Don't be naive with me, Mr. Young. You know exactly what you can do. You know what you can't. You're the man's defense attorney. You have a duty to explore every option. I don't like this one. Why? Where's your concern? If it lies with Rabbi Jacobs, you'll do it because it may spare him criminal prosecution. If it lies with you, again, we are not asking you to do anything that you cannot find a way to do legally. If it lies with a girl, well, if this goes to trial, we all know what you'll be doing to the girl. Plan B and the shit out of her. Yikes. Okay, so in case you didn't get what the deal was there, the board is trying to... uh, pay off the victim uh, anticipating the civil trial after the criminal trial and hope and hoping to pay her off for the civil trial before the civil trial starts so she won't testify in the criminal trial which they can't pay her off for so it is like shady McShaderson right now so the nuance is okay that's the nuance. It's during this. Yeah. It's during these civil trials that they can have these settlements. Right, right. So the the idea is like let's pay her to shut up now, before the criminal trial starts, so it never even happens because they won't. Because if the if the victim won't testify, they there probably won't be a criminal trial. So it's basically witness tampering. So in no criminal trials can there be financial settlements. Uh. I don't think so. 
because the because it's not a a criminal trial is between the state ah. and the accused, not the plaintiff and the defendant. Okay, that that that's clear. needed to that's be a clear. board president, different from those needed to be a rabbi. You're the one charged with rape, and you now consider me guilty, don't you? I you think know. if you tell your story, you'll get convicted. Does the board know your story? No. I told them it was consensual, which I maintain it was. I don't think they need to know more. Eugene, you just said if I testify, I'll be convicted. What if I don't testify? I don't like your chances. So could you at least meet with her civil attorney? I'm not comfortable with this at all. Neither am I. But see, a man's freedom Lord, is on the line. leave the case, Eugene. His life, even. And if you're not this in it, you're not in it. This is a very beloved rabbi. <clears throat> I thought you couldn't do this in rape cases. Dig up old boyfriends of the victim. I thought there were laws against putting the victim on. Have you screenshot this guy's jacket? Because that is as 90s as it gets. It is, but this is a good opportunity to ta- introduce... Monster! Ex-boyfriend of the victim! Monster! Guy who shops at the Steve Harvey Collection! This is J. August Richards, who, if you are a Buffy verse fan, he played. He was on uh, Angel. He's a major character on that. Also on Agents of Shield, and Kevin probably saves the world. Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce and Conviction. Uh, I, I was definitely a big fan of Angel, so it's yeah, awesome show. to see J. August Richards. I'll tell you this. Terry is not a liar. She's not going to make something like this up. If she says she was raped, then I believe she was. It's possible there was a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding? About a rape? We got some information. Ms. Reynolds, maybe she liked sex on the rougher side. Jimmy. Are you suggesting maybe she wanted to be raped? No. I'm suggesting rough sex. He thought she liked that. Don't forget, Jimmy is now in the Kittleskin, Kittleson school of sex. Well, he's definitely been in the Kittleskin, you're right. Ooh. Would it be possible for him to think that? Can I help you? We're here to see Eugene Young. Scott, hi. Hi, Eugene. I, uh, this should be you and me alone. I don't really think I should have contact with him. Um... Okay. Uh, we can go to the conference room. Lucy. Sure. I'll just be a few minutes. Okay. Can I get you some coffee or something? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for coming in. All right, let's just introduce these suspect. two back to back. Victim! That's just a good way to say that, and her lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the victim here is played by Catherine Dora Brown from Poison Ivy 2 and Judging Amy. Her lawyer in the civil case is Ren T. Brown, who you'd know from Whoopi, Waiting to Exhale, Flipper, Exhale, Flipper, Hellraiser Bloodline. He played the transporter pilot on The Next Generation, and he was Kolar in The Prophecy on Star Trek Voyager. Where 
I never find, there it is. Star Trek! Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Keith, why are we looking at your keyboard? Uh, because Jillian's, I think, showering in the room behind. Oh, 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 day before yeah. the criminal trial Please, gets underway. thank you. This is only about the civil litigation. Let's be clear on that. Okay. We're offering 1.2 million sealed, no admission of liability, conditioned on a complete and total gag agreement. If she ever tells her story in any public form, the deal is off. What about our testimony? So at the Eugene criminal is trial? now Michael Cohen. I'm only talking about the civil litigation. I understand, I... but if she testifies at the criminal trial, her story would then get out. Right. I hadn't thought of that. Shady. The offer would be revoked, I guess. You hadn't thought of that. Look, I'm not asking you to advise your client on the criminal trial, but me and you, off the record, doesn't leave the room? Go ahead. Young black woman up against a respected rabbi. No witnesses. Vaginal bruising. Inconclusive. They're not even calling the doctor up. Plus, there's some evidence she likes it a little rough. What? Uh, Eugene, we to some please old do better this shield, episode. Rape shield. Especially after we, had, we went through the whole thing with Lucy. We went the whole, through the whole thing with his court case with his son and wife. Come on. Well, and also, this episode is almost a sequel to his arc in A Civil Right. Right. Where Eugene tears up the victim on the stand and then, you know, goes to her house to apologize inappropriately. So, like, we're all hoping that Eugene has learned something from those experiences to put into effect this episode. Yeah, we're also going into the season finale. That's right. Next week is the finale. I need you, Eugene goes to putting the victim's character on trial. This goes to a how issue. I think I can get around Rape Shield. And Eugene, this is Scott, absolutely- listen. This is going to be one ugly, mean trial where she could come out with nothing more than a nightmare. Now, there's more than a million dollars on the table. If she suddenly changes her mind about testifying, they'll just subpoena her. Maybe. Maybe not. Go talk to her. So Eugene's motives here are complicated because it's both a threat, a bribe, and on some level, he doesn't want to, to, you know, attack her on the stand. Yeah, well, there's another element. Whether it's Eugene or another defense attorney, what the guy, what the guy on the board said, which was pretty accurate, well, you know what you can do. You know where the line is, and you know how to cross it. So be it Eugene or another guy, this is what's going to happen to this girl. So this is actually an opportunity for him to say, look, they're going to come at you. They're going to put all this money there. Maybe she ends up with something here, gets out of a nightmare and gets some money. I mean, there is a, a current, it's, it's ugly saying it, but there's a kernel of truth, a something out of nothing type of thing. Well, and of the, the other side of that, of course, is you don't have justice and you don't have repercussions well, and of course, you leave the, him out there to prey on someone else, which is probably right, the right. biggest Right, right. And clearly, if they have a fund for this, this is not the first time this has happened. Right. That's us. We don't provide answers. We just... We don't even have questions. We just take up time <laughs> We talking. just talk and talk. We like to reframe exactly what was just said and just say <laughs> it a different way, less good. Would you like to listen to a show from 21 years ago and then listen to us explain it badly? Come on to the Out of Practice podcast. Well, that is the entire theme of the show, so let's not completely destroy it. I was careful I didn't cross the line. Are you sure? (laughs) If she suddenly tells a DA she doesn't want to prosecute, we can expect a SWAT team to show up here. I walked the line. 
The offer is rejected. She was Good. raped, and she's not going to pretend otherwise, even for a million dollars. Now I'm going to bring her Good. through. I don't want you speaking to her. I wasn't planning to. Good lawyer she has. So I guess the theory she's trying to get some money that's shot? It can still be argued. The jury won't know anything about this offer. Settlement discussions are inadmissible. Can you still argue it knowing it isn't true? We don't know anything, Rebecca. It could be she turned out a million because she's looking for two. We don't know anything. One boyfriend said she liked to get a little physical. He didn't use the word rough. What about the other boyfriend with two names? He threatened to call the police if I didn't leave. Well, as well, I he got should. something anyway. I'm due at a pretrial. You sure you don't want to back up? I'm fine. We haven't seen Lindsay, have we? We have not. Spa day with the girls. So we're back <clears throat> at, the, at temple. the synagogue. Cinema. They're bringing Cinema. in the hired gun DA. We've been up against them before. <clears throat> He's tough. Any good news? Well, actually, yes. I just came from the pretrial conference. I told the judge if they introduce any evidence of vaginal bruising, that we'd be offering evidence of her sexual preferences. Uh, uh, they tried to get it excluded on the rape shield. The judge said he might hear it depending on our offer of proof. Bottom line, I don't think the DA will go near the medicals. It was inconclusive to begin with. That's good. Are we ready, Mr. Young? We're ready. You can I already see <clears throat> reticence in Eugene's eyes here. <laughs> I got reticence. I feel like I'm going to feel real gross for us this time. We had first so, met at a once drug again, counseling a high center case. where we both volunteered. We became friends. We'd get coffee sometimes after work. And at some point you became more than friends. Yes. After a few months, he asked me to go to a movie. We got a return we prosecutor. About movies a lot, we do. So it's Stephen Gilborn back as Gavin Bullock. I, join him. I said half joking, you know, people will think we're dating. And then he asked, actually, he said that he would like that to date. And your response? I said, hello, you're old enough to be my father's minister. <laughs> more and more. Yeah, she pointed out she looks mid 20s. I became infatuated. Late 60s. At first I thought just with his wisdom, but then with him. And by six months, we were dating. He's got the whole was board the of trustees physical? in the gallery behind yes. him. Yes, and it was passionate. But at some point, things changed. I met somebody, somebody my own age, and I, well, I fell in love with him. Did you tell this to Rabbi Jacobs? Yes. I went to his office. And by this time, I know he was very much in love with me. Objection. Overruled. How did you know this? He told me many times. Plus, he seemed to be becoming more obsessive. Objection. Overruled. Uh, how did he seem more obsessive? Well, he would want to see me more Richard and more Richard McGonagall, back as Judge Wilcox. And he'd call sometimes three times a day. 
Turning your attention back to that night. I went to his office to tell him. It had to be over. He became enraged. We started shouting at one another. You were yelling as well? Oh, yes. I had some issues. But when I made it clear I was really leaving, he just grabbed me. And he said something like, stop the game. Stop the game? He thought that I was trying to work him up into some anger because he thought that I thought it made him a better lover. It was ridiculous. When you say he grabbed you? By the arms. I said, let go of me, but he wouldn't. He starts forcing his tongue into my mouth. I told him no. Then he pushed me onto the ground and he's pushing my dress up. Were you trying to get away? Yes. I'm telling him to get off. Then he, he has me by the wrists and he's using his knees to push my thighs apart. And then he was in me. He was pushing himself inside of me. Did you yell for help? I don't really remember. All I remember thinking, <clears throat> my God, this is one of the kindest, most gentle people I've ever met. And I'm being raped by him. The man was raping me. Okay, a couple of things here. Yes, many things I'd one, like to dissect. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously just a <clears throat> rough scene to even listen to. Um, really good performance by Catherine Dora Brown. I also thought a tremendous performance by Stephen Gilborn mm -hmm. as, the, as the prosecutor showing a great deal of empathy in his eyes in that moment. Um, also, but of course, don't forget. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I also thought Steve Harris, it was great as well, because what I took away from that scene is a few things. One, her performance, along with the knowledge that she didn't want the pre-settlement, let's call it, right, confirms pretty clearly to me that she's telling the truth. Yeah. And Steve Harris's silent performance told me that he completely believes her testimony. He knows it, yep. Yeah. So that really sets up the stakes for us. Yeah, it really does. And and that's such a, you know, that monologue is so difficult to perform. And I, I as the writer, I'm just imagining having to write that. And I'm like, I don't think I'd want to write that. Yeah, well. It's just tough. Okay, I gotta pick that testimony apart. What was she wrong? I don't believe she was. I mean, in her mind, I assume that's what happened. But she didn't scream, Mr. Young. She didn't say, get off me. She said things like, this is wrong, don't do this. The difference in your mind being? For much of our history, in the throes of making love, we would both say things like that. We shouldn't be doing this, what are we doing? It went to the head versus heart conflict. 
If you see it in a movie, it's romantic. Yeah, but there is a well, huge difference no movie, between we shouldn't be doing this and don't do this. Yeah. I didn't rape her, Mr. Young. It sounds like you it did. It is possible rape her. that she really didn't want to make love and that I was wrong, but I. We talked after. And when she was saying it was wrong, she was saying we shouldn't have done. Okay, so didn't he just define rape? Perhaps it's we perhaps it was wrong or or perhaps we shouldn't have done it and I was wrong. Or or hold, I have to hear that again because if you question whether it was right or wrong, if you question consent in any way, I feel like that's that, right? Let me let me let, well, before I parse really it. Let me hear what you love and that I was wrong, but I. Yeah, it's possible that she really didn't want to make love, and I was wrong. Yeah. Well, I, <clears throat> I, I think it really comes down to the point of she expressed she didn't want to be doing it. Game over. Like in in the moment, like it's it. There's there's nothing really else to talk about after she says don't do this. Yeah, and you know what? I think we're parsing the wrong thing. It seems to me like if they really wanted to make it about the issue of consent, it would have been probably more of a victim who they show in the episode thus far that she did like rough sex and where's the line there? But I don't think that's what it's about. I think this is about Eugene, right? This is about him and his conflict. Yeah, oh, it's definitely about Eugene's yeah. uh, experience of this. I will also point out, apropos of nothing, that uh, I think the lighting in this episode is really excellent. And for this time, I was the better podcast. I looked up who was the DP, the director of photography, and it's Dennis Smith, who has been the DP on many episodes. He also directed several episodes. All right, Dennis, well done. We recognize your work. We talked after. And when she was saying it was wrong, she was saying, we shouldn't have done that. Not you, we. And, and she didn't run out. I can't believe this is happening. I kind of feel like you can believe this is happening. Do rabbis take a vow of Would chastity? Would you like to explore a lesser charge? No. Maybe we could plead as some kind of assault. I'm innocent, Mr. Young. I'm innocent. You don't seem that innocent to me. So why not just have him tell his story? I thought you really wanted it. Just to the game. Okay, so Eugene is now having dinner with his so ex-wife. I'll just have to go at her. Whack her credibility. Anjanu Ellis. Yes. What? She told the truth. You pretty much know she told the truth, and you're going to get up tomorrow and do everything you can to make her look like a liar. I don't have much choice. How about she's entitled to her story? He's entitled to his. Let the jury decide. <laughs> do you even see the perversity of what you're about to do? Look, we're having dinner for lunch. If we're going to fight, can we at least argue about something new? Why does it always have to be about what I do? Do you take stock of what you do? I don't get to take stock of it, not on a case-by-case -case basis. I have a client charged with a crime. I take stock of the best way to prevent his getting convicted of that crime. Here is simple. Attack the credibility of the eyewitness. But as a defense attorney, and this is a, just a moral quandary. Yes. Can't you only accept cases where you believe your client's innocent? I, I feel like that's a, it's a fair bar to set. 
Uh, I don't think you can probably do that, both from a practical standpoint and possibly on a legal standpoint. Because uh, certainly we've seen many instances where they knew their client was guilty. What they can't do is suborn perjury. So they can't put somebody up on the stand they know is going to lie, but they certainly can defend someone they know is guilty. So if you come to my office and you have the money to pay me and you say, I want to hire you for blah, 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 I can't say no? You can say no, yes, if uh, unless it's been assigned to you by a judge. But I have a feeling that probably most of their clients are guilty. <laughs> so well, yeah. Uh, I think that would knock out a big portion of your uh, defense work. Uh, meanwhile. Wait, and I guess, uh, hold on, let me argue my own yeah. point. Okay, against right. Against my own point. I guess guilty people also deserve a vigorous defense, right? That's the of whole course. point. That's the whole point. Of course, yeah. No, I mean, that's the whole cornerstone of our defense system is that everybody gets a defense, good, bad, or ugly. Um. Anyway, uh, of course, like this scene is interesting because you have Ingenue Ellis, if Sharon Young, performing Rebecca D. Cricket here, mm-hmm. and uh, which is interesting. And there's clearly been a warming between the two of them since the custody case. But I'm I'm just curious that there's been a big shift in this relationship that we saw uh, that was off screen. Well, but he also just said in that scene there we're having dinner for once. So it seems to me like this might be the first time they're trying to. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, that may be the first time they've had dinner, but they're clearly chose to have dinner together one-on-one, which I, is interesting. I know it's funny this. And what's interesting too, in, in a moral sense, look, the drug thing with her son, obviously I get why that riled her. So uh, right. it was very close to home, but you know, in practical terms, this, is a much bigger deal. This is a much uglier, uh, a much uglier case. Task for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. Last little detail while we have it paused. Uh, I noticed watching this that Eugene just has water. She has wine, but he just has water. I wonder, I wonder if that's a happenstance or we to learn here possibly that Eugene doesn't drink. You know, I think we've seen evidence of that before. I can't, I can't place it, but I know we've commented on somebody else with a similar situation, like at the party. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Somebody had a Coke while everyone else was drinking. I, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, a that's, better podcast yeah. would look it up. That was but, when Kittleson first approached Jimmy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, I think it might have been him. I think we've seen every other character drink. So an interesting little, yeah, little detail there. I. That will be interesting to see if they make that a plot line. The man will quit before doing what you're about to do. I'm sorry, it's true. She's 23 years old. She was raped by a rabbi. Could you keep your voice down? Do you have any idea how hard it must have been for her to come forward? Now she's about to be brutalized in a witness. I'm not going to brutalize anybody. Of course you are. If you think that's the best way to prevent a conviction, that's exactly what you do. And I'm telling you, a good man would quit first. I think it would be nice to go to dinner. We go out and you start. You start right back in again. You come and I'm a defense attorney, Sharon. You have a choice. You have a choice. And what's my choice? Quit my job and do what? Do what? 
And here's a flash. I'm well respected in that courtroom. You know why? Because I'm good. A judge sees Eugene Young walking to his court. He knows a good lawyer's in the room. Now, I may not get respect from you, but I get it from them, and I get it in that room. Is that why you asked me out to dinner tonight? To get my respect? I asked you out because... You think these cases are easy for me, Sharon? Sometimes... Sometimes are harder than others to be alone. That's what... That's interesting. Let's just eat. Hmm. He's it's so good. a very well-written scene. He's so yeah. good. So she. I remember the day you graduated from law school. The smile on your face. The plans in your heart. You remember that day, Eugene? We danced all night. When was the last time you danced? It's not just that you don't have a time anymore. There's no dance in you anymore. Ooh. You're beginning to rot a little inside. Maybe they don't tell you that at work. Maybe they don't see it, but I see it. Unnecessary music. Yeah, it's like a Peter I Gabriel soundtrack. I feel so in love with. I remember the why you became a lawyer. Sort of cheapens it a little bit, no? It totally does. Totally unnecessary, because it's a Can great scene. Just eat? Could be right out of a play. Sure. But great scene. Great scene. Performed really well. Mr. Young. Ms. Reynolds, my name is Eugene Young. I represent the defendant. Fan yes, is I back to a house left. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in this room. They got Stakes a are high, I guess. A respected rabbi is faced with losing his freedom, his whole life, on the word of one witness, you. What you gonna do, so Eugene? So I need to ask you some questions. Are you a person of your word, Ms. Reynolds? Yes. Do you consider yourself an honorable person? Objection. That's an unfair question. A defendant is allowed to confront his accuser, but the question as to whether the accuser is honorable, that's off limits? Counsel is trying to intimidate the witness. All right. Mr. Bullock, I'll give defense counsel some latitude here. Mr. Young, do not abuse it. The question was... Oh, his wife comes into the courtroom. Ex-wife. Do you consider yourself an honorable he person? He sees her. Yes, I do. You so does Jimmy. with people? I believe I am. In the 11 months you were romantically involved with my client. You ever tell anybody? Did I ever tell anybody? Yes. Your parents, your brothers, best friend. Did you ever tell anybody you were seeing Rabbi Jacobs? No, because if it ever came out, it would have meant his losing his synagogue. Did you ever conceal it from anybody? Ever say, like, you were going to the movies with friends, and in actuality, you were going to see my client? Did you ever say anything like that? I'm sure I did. That would be a lie. Wouldn't it, Miss Reynolds? I don't deny concealing the affair. So did he. What about this young man you say you fell in love with? When you first began dating him, did you tell him that you were in a relationship with somebody else? No, I didn't tell him. That's one of the bigger lies, isn't it? To be involved with two different people at the same time. If he's going to go this far off, I think A witness, by taking the stand, puts her reputation for truth in issue. I'm going to rein you in, Mr. Young. (coughs) You made your point. Miss Reynolds, you say you met my client at a drug counseling program in which you both were volunteers. Little fan. Truth is, you knew of him before then, correct? 
Yes. In fact, one of the reasons you went there to volunteer was because Rabbi Jacobs was there and you wanted to meet him. Yes, I don't deny that. He's a pretty famous rabbi and I knew people who knew him and I wanted to meet him. Well, that isn't quite the impression you gave the jury. From your direct testimony, it seemed like you happened to meet him at a place you both worked. When the truth is, you went to this place motivated to meet him. That's what really happened, right? I suppose. Your Honor, Relevance. with this room being so crowded, it's kind of hot. But uh, with the court's permission, I'd like to take off my jacket. Permission granted. Turn on one of these 17 on fans in the courtroom. I'm fine. Because this may take a while. Oh, shit. Eugene's getting in. A lot of extra shots of the audience, the gallery, in Let's this go. episode. He's just getting yeah. started. He's going to town, Bobby. He's got that look in his eye. Did you ever tell my client you wanted to be wealthy? Doesn't everybody? Did you ever say to him that you'd have to marry money? Since you had two years junior college, it was unlikely that you'd ever have the kind of career that would make you rich. Did you say something like that? I certainly never said that I would marry somebody just for money. Did you say for you ever to be rich that you would Objection have to marry into relevance? money? You're taking that out of context. The question simply is, did you say it? Yes, I may have said that once. Thank but... you. By the way, this new boyfriend of yours... We're not together anymore. Thank you. That wasn't my question. Was he from a wealthy family? That wasn't the reason I fell in love with him. I'll take that as a yes. Wealthy family. I really have to object. What does any of this have to do with the rape? I'll get there if Thank you let me. Speed it up. You wanted to marry my client, didn't you, Miss Reynolds? There was a time I did. And you were frustrated over the whole intermarriage issue. As you previously testified, you two even fought about it. Isn't that right? Yes. And you said while this alleged rape was taking place, you don't remember screaming. Truth is, you didn't scream. Isn't that right? I don't remember screaming. That was my testimony. Well, there were other people working in the building, none of whom heard you scream. Wouldn't it be more probable than not that you didn't scream? Wouldn't you agree? I suppose. And you said that... Her composure is excellent. Eugene's intensity is excellent. Everything about this scene, the stakes are high. I'm on edge. That's why we've been quiet. We are riveted. I am riveted. Uh, Regardless of how you consume this podcast, if you get a chance, you should... Beam in at about 25 minutes of season three, episode 22, and just check out this because of some stellar acting on both parts. Yeah, it's really good. And I, I, I guess it's as good a time as any to point out how much I'm enjoying, regardless of the uncomfortability of this case, that this is the only case we're talking about this yeah. week. And we're getting it a lot of all a story and a lot of courtroom action. Yeah, and it's all and it's it, we're, we're learning more through this one case about. Eugene and the whole and the law, frankly, because we're focusing on one good case, then we are with like five different cases and mixing something this serious with some sort of a goofy case where guy looks like a monkey. Yeah. And Steve's been sort of relegated to a bunch of parts the past couple episodes of just like rolling his eyes and sighing deeply, you know, I'm glad to see him get his flex. He had your hands pinned with his hands. How did he get himself inside of you? Oof. He then freed one of his hands to, I guess, guide himself. So you had a hand free? Well, he still had me kind of pinned with his shoulder. His shoulder? This is the first I'm hearing of a shoulder. Your police statement, the statement to the doctor, even your direct testimony, you never made mention of a shoulder. He had me pinned using his hands. Then he released with one hand and pushed down with his shoulder. How did he get your underwear off? I wasn't wearing underwear. You weren't wearing underwear. 
I had this rather thin knit dress and the panty line show. You went there to break up with him, but you didn't want your panty line to show? Objection. Withdrawn. After you finished having sexual relations with him. It was a rape. It wasn't sexual relations. After it was over, what you do then? I went home. You didn't run out of the room. No, the ugly inference here. What did the two of you talk? We talked. Is that rape can only be forcible. You know, right. like the, the, the only type of rape in 1999 is a violent forced act, which happily we've sort of moved on from that ridiculous idea. I told him what he did was wrong, that he raped me, and then I left. So you didn't run out of the building? No. And you went home? Yes. Did you call the police? Not at first, because I thought, who's ever going to believe me? My word against his. Why wouldn't you think your word would count for anything, Miss Reynolds? Is there something wrong with your word? Because no, of this, Eugene. Did you ever go to a doctor for an examination? Yes. He find any bruising on your wrists? No, but... He find any bruising on your thighs when my client supposedly pushed against you with his knee? No. I didn't have any bruises there. Did you leave any marks on Rabbi Jacobs? Did I leave any marks? Well, you had a hand free. Did you scratch him or hit him, anything? No. You didn't do any of those things? I just tried to push him off. Oh, this wasn't a rape, was it, Miss Reynolds? Yes, it was. You were angry at my client for refusing to consider marrying you, weren't you? As I said, we fought It's some a payback dream. time, isn't it, Miss Reynolds? Right. Objection. Have you hired a civil attorney to sue both the rabbi and the temple? Objection. Ghost to motive? I'll allow it. Is that your attorney sitting right there, Miss Reynolds? Yes. He's representing you in a lawsuit against the temple. You know this isn't about money. Move to strike. Non-responsive? Sustained. Did you once date a man named Michael Anderson? Yes. You ended that relationship? Yes. Was one of the reasons his lack of career ambition? I told him that, yes, as indeed. Thank you. You answered the question. Also there were a irrelevant. Lot of different reasons. You answered the question. Is this a picture of you in your high school yearbook? Yes. Could you read the caption under life goals? To be rich, to Oop. be happy, Oop. to travel. Do you have a friend by the name of Susan Levine? Yes. In fact, you told her about your relationship with Rabbi Jacobs, didn't you? Oh, I did tell her at the very beginning. I forgot. It was under another context. It was when we first started So seeing... you did tell somebody else about it? That previous statement under oath, that was a lie. It was a mistake. Got it. I guess mistakes happen. Is that the only mistake so far in your testimony? Yes. Lucky I caught it, I guess. I'm done for now. Wow, he really brought the A-game there, didn't he? He did, although happily this time it wasn't quite as ugly as the Ms. previous Reynolds, one. When you went to the doctor, did he find any bruising? Yes, he found some vaginal bruising. Thank you. Did the doctor find that bruising to be conclusive of non-consensual intercourse? No. Thank you. Your Honor, uh, the Commonwealth would like to call one more witness who is not on our list. Objection! Oh shit. They went into chambers. Sheila Keenan. Three years ago, she was raped by Rabbi Jacobs. There was an out-of-court settlement coupled with an agreement for her to keep oh, silent. Oh, shit. I would shit. like to call her to rehabilitate Ms. Reynolds' testimony. 
Mr. Young. So why keep that secret till now? Was it an ace in the sl- ace in the hole, or did they not think it would be necessary? Seems pretty relevant. Yeah, it certainly does. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I I bet it probably was something they kept. They kept aside, waiting for it, or maybe they just discovered it. We don't know. Mr. Young. Uh, Your Honor, uh, prior bad acts in a criminal case, that's not even close to being admissible. I will be offering to show pattern. What pattern? Two? Even if two made a pattern. May I finish? We don't need to hear you finish. That witness would be so prejudiced. I understand you don't like this, but that does not mean that... I don't like it either, Mr. Bullock. The only thing we'd accomplish by bringing in that witness is a guaranteed appeal. Even if you got a conviction, you'd just be overturned. Not necessarily. If we limit the scope of the questions, there's no... No chance. Ooh. Is that it? Good. We close well, tomorrow. Well, it's tough. I, I mean, prior bad acts are inadmissible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help Eugene sleep better in this particular case. It sure doesn't. Detail. No. Pursuant to the court settlement, she's not allowed to speak to anybody. You were allowed to tell me you left that out. I didn't rape her either. Things just got out of control. How much did you pay this Keenan woman? I'm not sure. You're not sure. The synagogue handled it. Next on the agenda is... Guess I am naive after all, Mr. Lewis. I didn't think it was board business to buy off rape victims. How deep does that fund go, Mr. Lewis? Now hold on. No, you hold on. I'm sure he's a good rabbi. Fills the seats, generates a good cash flow. You get to use the best wood for your pews, build the fanciest temple in town, and when he commits a crime or two, you can pay top dollar to get him off. But here's what you don't know. Mr. Young. I'm talking now. Yeah. When it's me you hire, you tell me the truth. You tell me everything you think I might want to know. You hide facts from me, I quit. You got that? You understand me. Are you finished? I'm an attorney myself, Mr. Young, so please don't lecture me. When you take on a case, you take on a duty. You have no rights bestowed upon you. The client has no obligation to tell you anything. What he decides to tell you is his choice alone. You take what he gives you and you make the best of it. We gave you your hand, Mr. Young. You've played it very nicely. And don't barge in and threatening to quit because the judge would never let you out. I could quit just the same and take the contempt finding. It's not your character to quit. You don't think we bothered to check you out? I mean, they are really setting up the big bad here, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. (laughs) From where I sit, this whole trial comes down to summation. Well, as you said before, you're exactly right. This is about Eugene, Mm -hmm. not about what happened in the case. Now, um, what does Mike think is going to happen? I mean, I don't know that this is how this is going to resolve because there's too much time left, but could be an interesting plot point going forward. What if Eugene quits... Quits the firm, quits altogether. Great cliffhanger for the end of the season. <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Well, that'll either happen or it'll be one of those, uh, oh, that's what it should have happened. That you Think came you up did with. good in there, counsel? Think you did good in there? I asked you to this get away from me. This is the victim's brother. I won't be standing away from you. Go on there and give you closing now. You want to take a shot at me? Yeah, I want to take it right oh, now. Eugene, now. Eugene, Eugene, interrogate me. God's sake, this isn't time for you to lose your focus. That was a good dorm tackle by Jimmy. You gotta go in there and hit a home run if you don't. You checking up on me, Jimmy? Yeah, Eugene. I am. You can tell Bobby I'm ready. Oh, shit. Mr. Young.
when this trial began, I think a lot of people wanted to believe Terry Reynolds for two reasons. First, it's become kind of a pastime in this country to watch people fall from high places. It's almost as if it's a spectator sport as far as the media goes. And here... Oh, wait, hold on. one of the most... It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Fighting with his profession, his conscience, and... Perhaps the future of his life, Eugene. Respected rabbis in New England. A rabbi's rabbi, if you will. For him to be accused of rape, uh, there's just something delicious about that, isn't there? Second, there's something so seemingly innocent about Terry Reynolds and good. And good people don't make up lies like this. We all want to believe that. I want to believe it. She could be your daughter, your sister. She's just not going to make something like this up. Well, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I know Terry Reynolds. I don't. Neither does the district attorney. He doesn't know her, nor do any of you. All you get to do here is weigh her credibility. And here's what the evidence tells you about that. And by evidence, I mean her very own testimony. She is a woman who admittedly wants to be wealthy, going all the way back to high school where she listed as a life goal to be rich. She's a woman who wanted to marry my client, testified she was angry with him. Well, one way to punish him and to get rich at the same time, cry rape. She's already got the civil attorney in place. A criminal conviction here. That's money in the bank, isn't it? The evidence on her truthfulness. She's in love with one man, but doesn't tell him, by the way, I'm seeing somebody else. She testified that she didn't tell anybody about her relationship with Rabbi Jacobs. And then when confronted with the truth about telling a friend, she says, oh, yeah, forgot about that. Is she truthful? I don't know. Like I said, I don't know her. Neither do any of you. What about the facts of the case itself? She's being raped. She doesn't scream. No screams, no bruises, no calling the police, no fleeing the scene. Does this sound like a rape to you? Would she make it up after as a scheme just to get rich? I don't know. As I said, a part of us wants to believe her, but when we examine the facts, can we? I don't know. I don't know her. In fact, if there's one uncontroverted truth that we can be certain about is that none of us here knows her. That we know. That and that she wants to be rich. Wow. This yeah, well, sucks for Eugene. It sure does. And that was a terrible closing. But I think that's a good thing. It's not easy being a rape victim these days. All right, Gavin, what you got? Because the trial system, it's no longer about arriving at the truth. Believe it or not, that used to be the idea. It's about winning and losing. Now, I'm here to win, I admit it, and so is defense counsel. Winning means that if you don't have the facts, you attack the one who does. This is why Mr. Young has focused himself on getting Terry Reynolds. 
He can't offer any testimonial or physical evidence to dispute what she says, so he'll just get her. We're talking about a rape, ladies and gentlemen, and he's dredging up her high school yearbook. We're talking about a man physically forcing himself inside a young woman, and he's serving up her career ambitions? He has no defense. He put on no defense. He chose instead to rape her again in this courtroom, oh, and he's shit. asked you to be a part of it. Now, this has got to stop. She was raped, for God's sake. He pinned her to the ground and performed a vile act of violence against her. That is her testimony, and it goes uncontradicted. You listened to her. Did she sound like a liar? Did she seem like someone who was only looking for money? Defense counsel is right about one thing. We offer only her word. But it's a good word, ladies and gentlemen. They put up nothing to contradict it because she was raped. Much better clothes. Great clothes. It happened. How dare he put her on trial in this room? Maybe the time has come to put some of these kinds of defense tactics on trial. Which is what this episode's doing, isn't it? It is indeed. Do unto others, Keith. Three times he did it. Three. I didn't know such thing. Oh, come on. He says we can't offer testimonial evidence. He says the rapist gets to sit quietly in his chair. He says we put on no defense. You didn't. He was commenting on the defendant not testifying, which he isn't allowed to do. I am the allowed to say you right put on no defense. All right. It's grounds for a mistrial. You want a mistrial? I want a stronger instruction than the one you gave. Come on. I gave an instruction. If I gave it any stronger, I'd have been hanging out a flag. Attacking me in your closing? What the hell was that? What the hell gives you the right to claim any moral superiority over me? Who gave you that? What are you talking about? You know damn well what I'm talking about. Counsel, I think you're overreacting here. Maybe you should take a walk around yeah, the, the building just to protest sort out what it is that's got you this angry. I know what got me this angry. He argued that my client didn't testify. He came close to doing that. I don't believe he crossed the line. I believe I protected you with an instruction. You made your objection on the record. You've preserved it for appeal. What else are you asking for? Jury has a verdict. That was quick. That was super quick. Let's have a 20-minute discussion on what that means. <laughs> no, not this episode. This is a good episode. There's no filler. Uh, well, history tells us he should be not guilty. The defendant, please rise. Only Helen Gamble Madam loses. Person, you've reached a unanimous <laughs> verdict. True. Yes, we have, Your Honor. What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Richard Jacobs, on the charge of aggravated rape, we find the defendant, Richard Jacobs, not guilty. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God, indeed. Thank you, Mazel tov, indeed. Thank you. Don't date, Rabbi. Yeah, I saw that coming. The brother no. is 
come after you, Gene. Meaning Eugene, not the rabbi. Eugene almost got Bobby McRamboed. Now he sees the victim looking at him with disgust. The camera indicates that he's losing his shit a little bit. Understandably. The end of this season has been about our characters slowly losing their shit. It's interesting, the camera is sort of giving you tunnel vision, which you're imagining he's having. This is trying to get pregnant. Do you have an opinion on that? No. Mr. Young, what what about Rabbi Get out of my way! We have no idea. His wife is protecting the blocking for Anjanou Ellis. Sharon. Thanks. Yeah. Congratulations, I guess. What are you doing down here, Sharon? Trying to get custody again or something? I thought you might want some company. Dinner, maybe. Will she have a turnaround? Yeah. It's an odd twist, but I like It'll it. Be good. She recognizes that what he has to do is very hard. And that it's hard on him, which is what you really want to see here, mm-hmm. is not that he's not going to not do his job, but that he actually recognizes what he's doing. And that he is completely heartbroken. Okay, folks. We have gotten through Season 3, Episode 22, Do On To Others. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, quite a, uh, quite an episode. All right, it is time for... Why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Okay, well, and we uh, will start, as we always do, with... Well, there's only really one choice here, so let's throw it to Keith. Yeah, I mean, boy. This really gets down to who you think did the better job lawyering or who do you think was actually won the damn case? Uh, Because I would love to give it to Gavin... uh, Was it Gavin Newsom? Uh, Gavin Bullock, and uh, who I thought did a tremendous job um just 
in a tough situation. But, I mean, Eugene won the case. He might hate himself for it, but he was successful at lawyering. Yeah, and I guess that's... Well, we've been talking about it for 60-some episodes. That's the whole crux of what we're experiment we're exploring here, right? Is that, yes, he won. He's the most valuable lawyer of the week. Uh, what is What is the moral cost of that? And... You know, what are you willing to sacrifice for that oopsie? <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. Well, you get your MVL. You do not get any claps, sir. No claps for you. All right. Next up. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a page. Watch your first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. Once again, excellent guest actoring all over the place. Everyone in this episode, uh, from the victim to the council to the great people on the uh, the synagogue's board to all the judges, I thought uh, Judge Pac- Patrick Wilcox, uh, Richard McGonagall was excellent as well. I think for me, uh, based on his really empathetic and well-acted uh, testimony, uh, what's the word? Uh, questioning. Prosecution. Prosecution, questioning, and questioning, yeah. a really excellent delivery of that close and the scenes in chamber. I think uh, we're going to be able to give Steve Gilborn my vote for Best Guest Actor as ADA Gavin Bullock. Yeah, and I I completely agree. Um, I I thought Michael Tucker did a good job as the rabbi because he was mm-hmm. a, an interesting mixture of because he looks like a sweet guy and and comes off as like this sweet nice young guy, but you can also see around the edges. Like I totally believe he did it. I also think Catherine Dora Brown as Terry Reynolds, the victim, did a terrific oh, job amazing. with that very difficult monologue. Uh, but I think I actually I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with you. I agree. I'm gonna give it also to Stephen Gilborn for a tremendous job as ADA Gavin Bullock, and you, sir, get claps. Which brings us to You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show well i mean uh, winner of the no-brainer of the week the exploration this week you know we've seen eugene uh, steve harris as eugene deal with material that is questioning their profession and questioning whether they should be in this profession whether the whether it's a noble one or not We've seen that beat. We've seen that exploration. This goes to the episode as well, but I'm kind of conflating the two. This time, you know, as ugly as it was, and in the beginning, I'd say the first three-fourths of the episode, I was sort of being critical in my brain as I'm watching, thinking, this is ugly for Eugene, and this yeah, feels yeah. like a, a a regression in some sort of way. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I have to kind of sit with it a little longer, but I think that... You know, I I kind of had an aha moment on the episode here where, I, you know, you realize, well, what are we supposed to do? Just if we assume somebody's guilty or 
we think they are. We just they don't get a defense. They don't. I don't. Nobody does their job. That's why you're good at your job. And so we got to see the emotional, the personal repercussions for for Eugene this week. We got to see even when you know it's not the right thing, even if you you know you're trying to do your whole bag of tricks to get your to to win the case and show some sort of empathy to like find that line it there is no line you have to you go you go ham or you go do you don't go at all and just because and being good at that comes with a cost emotionally and i thought it was actually really really nuanced actually and uh, that's not easy to do because he easily could have just come across as a complete victim, or excuse me, a complete villain. Right. Or it could have just seemed schlocky and it wasn't either of those things. It was it was handled with a deft hand with a ton of nuance and excellent, excellent performance. In a, in a It's not easy to play the quote-unquote bad guy who is one of the good guys. So uh, I think Steve Harris has once again proven himself to be atop the class in a stellar cast, and uh, I'm happy to give him the oopsie this week. Yeah, no, clearly this is a tour de force for (coughs) Steve Harris. Uh, He's just killing it and showing us colors we haven't seen from him. We've we've seen it, but like that haven't been emphasized previously on the show. I mean, obviously they've emphasized his anger, his passion, his intelligence, uh, but... This episode just showed a great deal of vulnerability, and uh, I thought it was just stellar work from Steve Harris. So uh, not only do you get the oopsie, but you, Steve Harris, are going to receive the extra claps that Eugene Young didn't get for MVL. So double claps for Steve. Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! In news that seems trivial entirely with what's going on in the world, Tom Brady has a new job. He is the new quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we know. What the hell? You didn't know that? No, I did oh, know I was that. Like, That's, That's just crazy my reaction. That you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, why? I mean, remember that amazing tenure Joe Montana playing for Kansas City, or maybe OJ Simpson's amazing finish with the 49ers? You can't love the game that much. Like, just, just walk away at that point. Anyway, well, God bless him. So, actually, no, God should be busy with other things. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'll say this, though. There's no certainty as to when this football season will begin or what's going to happen the next few months so we can't count on that job yet and so if you've been suffering through or let's just say watching the white house press conferences on the coronavirus suffering through is the right response you'll might have noticed something yesterday that amongst the plethora of jaw-dropping moments I saw this and you posted it. I like I was like, Jillian, you won't believe it. And then you posted it like 10 seconds later. No, well, there's that. There's the eye roll, uh, the Fauci eye roll, which happened yesterday, which I thought was incredible. But not even that, Keith, another one. Oh, oh, okay. At one point, he pointed to a reporter in the back, and it turned out to be Sean Spicer, who 
Sean Spicer. Yeah, was sitting was sitting there and 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 pitched a question. Keith, he's now reporting for some network and is a correspondent and somehow got into the White House press briefing because that's happening. What? Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Go- snake is eating its own tail. Yeah, Google that. It's an Ouroboros. So, uh, it, it points out that it's never too late to decide that you are important enough to become a White House press pool reporter. And so I'm going to vote this week for White House pool reporter Tom Brady for the Tom Brady work for being Tom Brady. That's where we're going. Oh, did you go on a journey to get there? (laughs) Oh, my God. You went all the way to Cape May and back for that. Oh, you know, for an episode that's going to be about two hours and 15 minutes, that was the biggest stretch of them all. Oh, well, what do you want? Wow. Okay, so uh, congratulations, White House press pool reporter Tom Brady, because why not? (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Yeah, so I went around the block a few times on this as well, as you heard me just discussing. At first, for the first three quarters almost of the episode, I was really sort of disgusted by it and by myself for making all those jokes early on, but that's my job. I use the word job very lightly there. <laughs> that's true. But I came around and it also, you know, regardless of, you know, we talk, we've well chronicled the ups and downs in the writing and the subject matter and a lot of different. Uh, factors. But what we've really come to see is that the acting is always stellar. I mean, I think that's like you've said is why this is one of the classics, because it's great. The acting is great. It really fills in. It silly putty is over a lot of those holes. Yeah. Yeah. This week, no exception. Stellar acting. And I thought the writing was pretty great, too. Yes, the definition, quote unquote, of rape, we could get into how that was kind of it wasn't a lot of nuance when it came to subject matter. However, like we've sort of stated, I'm giving a lot of that a pass because it's not really about that. We're supposed to, it's, she's supposed, we're supposed to believe here from the get. And this is about Eugene dealing with the difficulties of the job, which is, you know, bringing home season three, kind of the whole thesis. Um, You know, I'm with you, actually. You brought it up earlier. My biggest nit to pick is that the turnaround from like three episodes ago where she was suing him for full custody and then to come around here and off and sh- it was excellent. I love this relationship. It sort of yeah. makes the other, it sort of, I sort of want to go back and retroactively change my grade of that episode because it's, it the, the, the tonal inconsistency of that subject line is really hard. It's a big leap to make for me. <coughs> but... Taken on its own, taken in a vacuum this episode, I was riveted, obviously, and I thought they handled it, some difficult stuff really well. I'm going to go ahead and give it a 7.8 spare tires. 7.8? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I have a lot of, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on this episode. Um, as I mentioned before, I love, love that we found a case and stayed there. And made it all a case. I understand you can't do that every episode because not every case is, you know, justifies mm-hmm. a singular focus like that. But I really did enjoy really diving into this and the mixture of it being character based and story based. 
and it was re- it was really the a really great it's good writing mm-hmm. where you tell things about the character through the plot as opposed to you have plot and then you have character and you sort of like you know have them bouncing back and forth so i thought that was really excellent and we were as we were watching him eugene question the victim we're watching that from the standpoint of like, oh, I'm on the jury, I'm this case, do I believe her, do I not? But we're also what experiencing that through Eugene's eyes in a way that we don't always in these situations. Um, I really liked the fact that uh, in Gavin's uh, clothes, he said the line, somebody to the effects of like, it's time to condemn these tactics defending these people. And I felt like that was a a good distinction here because clearly the tactic that Eugene was using was what was really on trial. The going after the victim, the, you know, shaming the victim, digging around like that. And that the problem was that those tactics are available to Eugene not that Eugene has to use them. That's his job to use whatever tools in the chest he has to defend his client. But that's not a tool that a lawyer should be able to have. So is is that sort of the <clears throat> litigation version of people don't kill people, guns kill people, or guns don't kill people, people kill people? Well... It's taking, it's sort of, but it's saying like the gun shouldn't, he shouldn't have this gun. You know, in our legal system should not allow a defense attorney to use this gun. And our legal system is based on, you know, every, each, each side has certain tools they're allowed to use and certain tools they're not allowed to use. And this is a tool that should be put aside. This is not like, you know, this is not a tool that should be allowed anymore. And maybe this was on the leading edge of pushing back against that being a tool that's available to Eugene. Mm -hmm. Seeing, showing us on network television, the cost that has both for the victim and for the lawyer using that. It's also important to point out too that that wasn't the only thing that went their way. It's not just those tactics. Also, this guy has prior had had prior accusations of rape that absolutely right. would have played a, a factor, but right and but they couldn't use right they couldn't use it. So is that skewed to is that anti victim as well? And I and you know his clothes I think is powerful. I mean I, to this day, you know even with the quote unquote Me Too era and how a lot of uh I don't want to even I won't even you know what I won't even qualify it. There are arguments that say that it's swung too far towards victims that now accusations hold more more weight than they should whether that's true or not i think it's still fair to say that victims generally have the harder burden of proof when it comes to these types of things and whether that should be or not i totally disagree i i think that we should be more apt to believe victims but that aside i think not not that much has changed since 1999 as far as that's concerned no, and uh, but you know maybe hopefully we can start changing that. Uh, the last, my the, the 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 only I'm gonna put up a defense for your nitpick. 
with the abrupt change in I, I'm sort of objecting to myself uh, because like I did feel it was abrupt. But if I go back into the brain hole, I remember that the final conversation that Eugene and Sharon had after the custody case was adjudicated, I thought there was a big uh, break in the dam there. If you go back and watch, it was it was after the after the uh, again after it was adjudicated. They're sitting outside the courtroom. They had this very open heart to heart that I feel might have melted a lot of that, and that I, I could believe that that would be the beginning of a thawing in their relationship. And I find it, I, it's an interesting relationship to explore. The mm-hmm. ex that you're no longer with, but you are rebuilding some sort of a positive relationship. Uh, so anyway, loved it. Uh, that was a long story long. I'm giving this episode, if you give you 7.8, I'm going to give it 8.4. Okay, so you'll do the crunch those numbers. It was very well <laughs> rated by us. And before we go, I want to make one last sort of honorable mention here. Yes. As we said, everybody was excellent, top to bottom. But a scene that I thought was really brief, so brief, and yet really, really awesome was in the very beginning when Eugene met with the civil lawyer and the victim came through the office briefly, Lucy had an interaction with her. And we just went through an episode where Lucy became the victim of something, a violation. Right. And just her asking if she could get the victim anything, there was there was just such a softness and an empathy that I thought was so well done by, yeah. um, oh God, Lucy's name. I'm not helping you. <coughs> Marla Sokolov. She has She has actually... Talk to us, and you don't remember her name. I You're just a remember monster. Marla, a good friend of the show. I thought that was an excellent scene that I wanted to quickly uh, bring up. Yeah, no, I totally agreed. Somewhere in the range of eight point eight spare tires, we rate this uh, uh, very high and very excellent. Oh, and there's only one more episode. We're going to the season finale. Season finale. Season finale. Season finale. Okay. Well, next week we will be talking about the season finale of the practice. If you would like to talk to us about the season finale or any other ways, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. You can see our definitive, by us, rankings of every episode that we've practiced that we've seen so far on our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. If you want to give us money, Mike will tell you how to do it. You can check out the show notes. We'll help you how to do that. You can donate if you can to us. Uh, If you can't, don't worry about it. If you can in any way donate to those suffering from this current pandemic, please do. The American Red Cross. I'll leave another link in the show notes how you can help. Additionally, you can help without spending any money by staying in your house, apartment, or dwelling at least in the short term, while we figure out what the hell's going on, do your part. Be a good neighbor, be a good citizen. If not for yourself, then for other people and other people's family. Yes, and hug mentally all of your doctors and nurses. But I give you full permission to laser sounds. Laser sounds.